Hey guys, welcome to the view from the front. My name is Stan and this is the December 14th edition. I hope everyone's doing amazing out there from wherever you're joining us. We got a lot to cover in tonight's episode, including we're going to, from the U.S. perspective, we're going to talk a bit about what one high-ranking defense official called the most transformative year for the Department of Defense in the uh, Indo-Pacific, which is obviously a nice way of saying what we're doing as a country to strengthen alliances and counter China. We'll also talk a bit about uh, some news from the U.S. military about efforts they're doing to counter extremism in Africa, which is a nice way of saying some of the missions they're foreseeing in the future and planning for, and also a bit about some of the recruiting challenges that are happening. So we'll get into that just a bit, and then we'll move from there to Ukraine. Now, we'll do a quick funding update from Ukraine from both the United States perspective as well as Europe's perspective. Ukraine is obviously in desperate need of some military and financial support, so I wanted to update that. And then we'll also get into Ukraine is actually in the process of rebuilding its navy. So there's some really cool news in regards to that. As you know, Ukraine doesn't have a navy right now other than some small fast attack boats. But that's about to change. Then we'll go from there to China. There was a ship collision in the South China Sea that I want to talk about that happened between the Philippines and China. We'll talk about that just a bit And then we'll end the show with motivation and wisdom like we do every week. So if by chance you're new to the show, just a quick little bit about myself. I'm a prior infantry Marine. I spent more than 10 years in the news business. And I've also written 12 books, most of them about the military or foreign policy. So you might just call me a wannabe Tom Clancy. So I love research. I love news. I love talking about this stuff every Thursday. Each episode, I do three things. I cover hotspots happening around the world. I try to help unite the country. And I try to share some motivation and wisdom at the end of each episode. And let me dig in on each of those just a bit more so that you understand why this is something that I hope you'll start making a regular occurrence in your week. Uh, First, I cover hotspots happening around the world because I try to provide a smart and sophisticated look at foreign policy that affects the United States. Ukraine, the world, without making it fear-based or clickbait material. Now, there's several reasons I cover foreign policy. First, Americans are terrible at geography. Secondly, the there's a gap in our news media. They rarely cover it, and when they do, it's already a crisis, and it's usually too late. And finally, we typically get involved in wars before we know what we're doing or why we're doing it. So, as a prior Marine who's you know, been deployed. This matters to me a lot. So part of what I do each week is I try to teach you to enjoy keeping up with foreign policy because what we have in America, we take for granted. And I think if most people had any idea how fast other governments collapse or how often other countries tear themselves apart, then you would take being a citizen and a voter as a more sacred duty. And the second broader thing I do with every episode is I attempt to unite our country. We are a country that's obviously divided, and we know a divided house cannot stand. So 
the wide, often angry and dangerous division is our country's greatest threat. So I try every week, I don't try to put down any Republicans or Democrats. I try not to name call. I try to be as calm and optimistic as possible because we all get too much negative news. Everyone's saying the world's going to end. But in the end, we have to love our neighbor. Neighbor. It's not only the biblical thing to do, it's common sense. And it's the only way we're going to hold everything together. So I do try to do that. And, and then at the end of every episode, I share a few words of encouragement because we all see so much negative news every week. And so I'm betting you could use a little positivity and encouragement in your life. So that's how I end every show. And I do this every week, every Thursday. So I hope, hope if this is your first time, you'll join us again next week. I really do uh, welcome you to the show. I hope you get something out of it. Now, before we get into the news about the U.S. military, let me make one administrative note. Last week's episode was really long. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. And in a perfect world, I would love for people to be able to enjoy the show, relax, maybe listen to it over like two exercise periods or something like that. And I like a longer podcast myself. I'm able on some days to even listen to it at work, just throw in the ear pods. But I also realize that not a lot of people know who I am. And so when they see a very long show, they just don't get into it. So the goal tonight is to try to compress this down to about 30 minutes. And at least in the short term, I think I'm going to try a shorter uh, show length or show structure to try to make the uh, to try to grow it just a little bit faster. So that's what we're going to aim for tonight. We're five minutes and 50 something seconds in. And so we'll see how this goes. So let's begin this first news section by talking about what is the biggest news story for the year for the United States. And that is the realignment of our defense posture in the Pacific. Now, you might say, well, Stan, you know, there's the war in Israel. There's the war in Ukraine. There's everything else seems to be bigger news than what's happening in China, which usually most weeks the average American hears absolutely nothing about. But I wanted to quote the words of the Assistant Defense Secretary of Indo-Pacific Security Affairs. Uh, That person's name is Eli Ratner. You've probably never heard the name. Not a name that makes the news a lot. Here's what Eli Ratner said. Even with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the Hamas attack on Israel, terror attacks in the Red Sea, and more, the Department of Defense has concentrated on the pacing challenge for the United States, which is China, of course. And so, Ratner provided a report on some of the progress that has been made to Congress, which is obviously oversees the federal budget for the military, and talked about some of the accomplishments and some of the force repositioning and some of the strategic partnerships and, and just some of the successes as Ratner saw it for the past year. Now, I wanted to mention, as we talk about this for just a moment, that the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, mentions that the reason the U.S. is focused so hard on this potential increasing threat from China is that China is, has been identified as the only country in, in the world with both the will and increasingly the capability to reshape the international order. And so 
Lloyd Austin talks about that some in this report, but Ratner reinforced that by saying that China has both the ambition and the will. And so I wanted to, they kind of stay at 10,000 feet and they kind of keep it nice. But some of the words that other countries have used to describe how China is acting, and of course, every now and then Taiwan will make the news when China threatens Taiwan, but other countries describe China as coercive, increasingly aggressive, and that China is trying to change the status quo of the Indo-Pacific region and the international system to align with its interest. And other countries have used words such as China is seeking to challenge U.S. alliances and partnerships in the Indo-Pacific and to leverage its growing capabilities, including its economic heft, to coerce its neighbors and threaten their interest. Now you might say, well, Stan, why do we care? Why does anyone in America care? Why do people in Europe care as European countries increasingly get involved in some of these realignments? And the reason is, is that the volume of shipping, that tra- the shipping traffic that goes through the Taiwan Strait is literally one-third of all worldwide shipping. If China were to increasingly keep claiming some of these islands, increasingly blockade Taiwan or potentially eventually try to invade it, it would absolutely destabilize pretty much the entire world. And so that's why Europe, the United States, and many countries are increasing aligning just as a form of deterrence to tell China, just let's just keep things nice and cool here. So the report talks about many of the things that the Department of Defense and Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, has done. They've done lots of meetings with the five countries that are treaty allies of the U.S. in the Indo-Pacific. Those countries include Thailand, the Philippines, Australia, Japan, and South Korea. Also, one thing that the report really gets across is that many of these countries are begging the U.S. to get more involved to shift more forces so that there's a shared responsibility for the region. Uh, And these include the Association for Southeast Asian Nations, which I believe is pronounced ASEAN, includes India, Australia, Japan, South Korea, the Philippines. But in ASEAN, there's a number of countries that are involved in many of these talks. Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos or Laos, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam. If you've been a long-time listener of the show, many of those countries I just named, in the past year alone, China has done something to either threaten or coerce or try to bully almost every one of those countries. And so all of these countries are increasingly aligning themselves with the United States and Europe or the West, as most people usually say, in a bit of a, like I said, it's a strategic realignment and it's a form of deterrence because none of these countries alone can stand up to China and its navy, which has been growing at a rapid clip and the very aggressive actions that its military takes on a routine basis around some of these disputed islands and also around uh, some of these international waters. So uh, one thing Eli Ratner said, which I thought was really good, is that 
I'm going to quote here. This is not an American vision for the region. This is a vision shared by our allies and partners. So, again, this is something that sometimes people say, why doesn't the U.S. just keep its nose out of where it does or doesn't belong? Well, we're there by invitation, and we know how how you know much how much instability could occur if we don't hopefully keep everything moving in a peaceful manner through the coming years and hopefully the next decade or two. And so I'll read one final part from that report. Uh, we're through the investments we are making, the United States has become more capable in the region, and they are changing some of the force posture alignments and. As I talked about earlier this year, of course, the Marine Corps is realigning a lot of its structure as well to meet this. So that's kind of a year-end summary of what's happened in the Indo-Pacific. We've covered some of this stuff, but it is a big story that doesn't make the news unless you have like Nancy Pelosi, who was the House Speaker at the time, visit Taiwan, and then the media will jump all over it. And what will China do? And then the media will ignore the story for another quarter or two. That's what the media does, and that's what I hope to not do is to better educate people as we go forward. So good report. I'll put a link to it in the Substack notes if you want to read a little bit more about it. Okay, so we're going to talk about Africa for just a moment, just a brief moment, because in keeping with my time, I'm trying to keep this super compressed. But the Department of Defense also released a report since last week that details some of the things that the the that the department and the military and the state department are trying to do in Africa to help stabilize the continent. Now you might say, why does that matter? It's a good question. Well, unfortunately Africa often very easily has countries that are obviously poorer and they are often not as stable. So there's instability. That's always a threat in many of those countries. And there's often, you know, famine or economic hardship that leads to, uh, it's easy to recruit, uh, especially young men, but young boys as well, into radical groups. And in fact, most people aren't even aware, but we still currently have approximately a thousand U.S. troops in Niger. And in the last three years, in fact, in Africa alone, there have been three military coups. Many of those are in countries you probably haven't heard of. It didn't really make the news, but two of them you might recognize was in 2020, Mali had a coup. A coup. And then there was one in Niger in 2023, huge instability. One of the major players causing some of this instability is Russia. Go figure. They are sending and have sent lots of mercenary groups, and they are increasingly trying to expand their influence there. You will also increasingly hear about countries or companies out of China that are trying to get their arms around some of the resources in Africa. So... It's an important area for the Department of Defense to be involved in, as well as the State Department. And what they try to do is create security partnerships and alliances to help counter any kind of, like I said, instability. Since I didn't have time to go into much details on it, I've got a link in the Substack notes for you to get in the weeds just a bit and read about that and what they're doing. It's a great little story. It's not very long. I don't think it's asking that much to go ask you to take a look at it. I think you'll learn some things. I know I certainly did, and I keep up with it probably a little better than the average person. So some good stuff in it. I'll put the link in the Substack notes, and I'll keep this brief so that we can try to hit 30 minutes. 
Now, one final story as far as involving the United States and our military. I want to mention some news out of the recruiting world. Unfortunately, the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force all failed to meet their recruiting goals in the fiscal year that ended in September. The Marine Corps and Space Force did, but both only barely did. And unfortunately, it's not even that you need to meet the goal, but you want to be able to have enough people wanting to join so that you can have you know, higher standards and pick the absolute best, not just we got to fill the slots. I mean, this is kind of common sense, but quality does matter. And it, it just frustrates me because one of the reasons I do the podcast is I talk about you can't have a house divided all the time, every week. And, you know, historically in the past, the left has kind of said, you know, only people with no other options would join the military. But of late, people on the right have not been as supportive on some of the politicians. They'll say, you know, don't be the world's policeman, or they'll say our military's not the best anymore, or it's woke, or they'll get into some of the culture wars. All of that stuff is affecting the military's ability to recruit great young men and women. And obviously the military is an amazing opportunity for anyone to consider joining, but I just want all of us to, especially since I know a lot of vets watch this, we need to watch how we speak about the military, and we need to tell those who speak poorly about the military or use it as a political talking point that doing this brings great harm to our country. Long term, it's not sustainable. It's already a very small percentage that even serve. Typically, the sons and daughters of those who serve often end up joining, so you already got a very small pool who end up joining And as more of them say, "Ah, I don't want my son or daughter to go, this isn't a good thing. This is, you know, you study history like the Roman Empire. You start bringing in outsiders to join and serve in your military, people who don't understand your country or the history of its armed forces, who may not be as loyal to the country. These aren't good things. So it's important we have a good military, and so it's important that we be able to recruit and keep our recruiting strong. So I'll put a link in the Substack notes about the story and what some of the numbers are if you want to dig into them. But it's just important that we watch how we talk about the military, that we we just need to watch our language. And we need a strong country and we need a strong military. It's an honorable place to serve. It's a great opportunity. But again, I'll put that link in the Substack notes for you guys to check out. So let's talk about Ukraine here for a moment wanted to begin it this little section by talking or reading a quote from a soldier who's been fighting in Ukraine for quite a while on the front lines, was interviewed in a piece for the Atlantic. But I just want to read you this quote. This soldier says, I really hope that people in the U.S. can understand that this is not only war for Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. It's really a war for democracy. It's a war against... It's a war for a better world. My apologies. It's a war against dictatorship. It's a war against modern fascism. Ukrainians are not asking other countries to send troops. We only need some metal things to save Ukraine. Metal things being obviously ammunition, tanks, etc. And I also wanted to share from that same piece a quote from a an analyst 
who keeps up with international relations. And this particular one is from the uh, Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. The name is uh, Dara Massacott. Massacott. Hope I said that right. Let me read this quote, though. If the Russians are able to win in Ukraine because the U.S. political will did not hold out, the Russians will conclude that they can outlast the U.S. and NATO politically in a future war. And that will make Russia overconfident and very dangerous in the years ahead. So I thought that was a good line. And in fact, I've been so moved by the the fight. Obviously, I've covered the war in Ukraine for more than a year now. But it, I've been, I guess moved is the wrong word. I've been so worried about that the U.S. Congress may not pass Ukrainian funding that this weekend I reached out to both my congressmen and both of my U.S. senators. Now, all three of them are Republicans. All three of them barely support Ukraine and have barely voted for any funding. So it was arguably a helpless sec- exercise, but I wanted to do at least my small part. And I knew if enough people reached out to them, and there has been a movement on social media to try to reach out to elected officials on this Ukraine funding vote, that maybe something would happen. And I want to read what I wrote to them. And I'm also going to provide this in the Substack notes so that you can use it as a structure if you or a skeleton if you decide to send something to your congressional reps and senators, which I really hope you will do for the Ukrainian people and for what I believe will be the future stability of the world. But let me just read just, just like three sentences. So you start with, Dear Senator, Dear Congressman, etc. I'm writing to respectfully request that you vote to pass new aid to Ukraine. It's a very small percentage of our budget, and you know that 90% of it is spent in the United States to restock our own supplies. This war is crucial because, as the Atlantic wrote, for the West to abandon Ukraine now would allow Russia and its authoritarian friends in China, Iran, and North Korea to believe that the 21st century is moving their way into a future of brutal armies, frightened populations, and endless lies. Please help save countless lives inside Ukraine, as well as help honor the agreement we made in 1994 when the U.S., the U.K., and Russia guaranteed Ukraine security if it gave up nuclear weapons as a part of the Budapest Memorandum. So that's what I sent. I'll put that in the Substack notes so that you guys have that as something that I really hope you use and change it up a bit and that you send to your congressmen and senators. The vote, if it happens, will probably happen in the next week or it's going to get punted till after Christmas. And it really needs to happen now. So a few other pieces of Ukraine news as I try to keep this compressed. First, some great news. In Poland, their people have elected a new set of leaders, and they have pushed back against almost a decade worth of authoritarianism, and their new government has already pledged to help Ukraine 
substantially. I've got two links to that if you want to read that. Of course, Poland shares is very near Russia and is a lot of the aid has come through Poland. It's literally almost on the front lines. And so Poland is in an important position. Their government matters. So that's good news for Ukraine. Also good news is that Biden announced a $200 million aid package yesterday. Yesterday being Tuesday of this week. I'll put a link into that. You can read about what all we're sending. That's some of the last remaining funds that have been authorized by Congress. So they're almost like literally out. And there is some reports that on some parts of the front, Ukrainian troops are having to conserve ammo because of what they see as this logistical, I guess, lack of ammunition and all coming toward them. And it could only get worse. Unfortunately, Russia, of course, is getting lots of uh, ammunition from North Korea, and they're getting drones from Iran. So it's important. This vote is very important. And then finally, in some other good news, Sweden announced $120 million yesterday uh, or Tuesday as part of a winter package. And then President Zelensky is in Norway right now. I think there will be a big announcement from that. Uh, The interesting thing is that The NATO budget is up almost 12% this year. European countries have contributed far more per capita than the U.S. has, and they've now actually, I think, surpassed us in dollars as well. They obviously have hosted um, well over a million. I can't remember the exact number of Ukrainians that have fled the country because of the war. So Europe is really putting a lot on the line, too. So it's not like the U.S. is just carrying this load. This is an opportunity for all the countries to leverage their resources to stop an authoritarian dictator from just coveting another country and deciding he can just go in and try to take it. Now, the final thing I'll mention about Ukraine, pretty cool story, especially for their future, is that they have struck a deal with the United Kingdom to get two Royal Navy mine hunters or mine sweepers. These are small ships that are good at clearing mines, which would make the water safer for some of the uh, transport ships that are transporting grain and other stuff in and out. And it also begins what could be the start of basically a small Ukrainian Navy. Obviously, Ukraine has done a great job with its sea drones against Russia's Navy. They've also used... uh, missiles shot from land but it's time for you for ukraine to begin rebuilding its own small navy and it's pretty awesome that the united kingdom has passed this most recent measure to help them do that so i'll put a link into the Substack notes on that as well so you'll have some cool stuff to look at if you're not familiar with some of this news most of which almost none of this actually made mainstream media so hey it's be some good stuff for you to catch up on Okay, so our final news story before we get into the motivation and wisdom section involves China. As I mentioned earlier, there was a collision between a Philippine boat and a Chinese Coast Guard ship. They collided. The Philippines is blaming China. China is blaming the Philippines. I'm going to put a link in the Substack notes so you can read a little bit about it because I did want to hit that less than 30 minutes and I'm at 27 minutes right now, so this has been very challenging to do. But China regularly uses water cannons from some of their Coast Guard ships and other, you know, loud um, noises or uh, like uh, loudspeakers 
They'll shoot lasers. They do various things to try to intimidate ships in some of these contested waters, That some of which are international waters. But I'll put a link in so you can read about it. And I don't feel too bad giving a short shrift to this topic because we talked a bit earlier about the China challenge that the U.S. and the world is facing. So we did cover China a bit. But I do want to put a link in so you can read a little bit more about what China does and how they intimidate neighbors. And that's what China's really good at, is that you'll never see an all-out attack. You'll never see... They're just very good at almost like bullying and coercing, and they just push their limit until you kind of push back, and then they'll let up and make it look like you overreact. They're just really good at that, almost like a bully. And then they'll just, again, just keep pushing and prodding. They're really, really good at that. And the whole time they're building up some of these man-made islands that they are claiming. And because they're stronger than any of these countries individually, the Philippines, Thailand, any of them, you name them, Vietnam. Vietnam's trying to build up some of its military bases. But China's just really good at bullying their smaller neighbors. And so that's that's what this is all about. But I'll put the link in the Substack notes and you can read for yourself an article from the, um, this one was from the BBC. So it's a good article. You can find other sources if you'd prefer. Okay, so let's get to the final section. This is the motivation and wisdom section. I share these each week because I think all of us could use a few words of encouragement. And let's be honest here, you matter. So whether you know it or not, you are influencing the people around you. And all of them could benefit from even a little bit more of an increased volume of awesomeness from you. Your kids, your spouse, your friends, your coworkers. I challenge you to infect all of them with a little bit more energy, a little bit more life, a little bit more light, a little bit more love. So here are a few good ones that I hope help you a bit. Here is the first one. Love doesn't make the world go round. Love is what makes the ride worthwhile. So that's a good first one. This next one is pretty deep. If you can't make up your mind despite constant internal debate, allow your heart to lead you. It knows the way. It knows what you want, yet you resist. If something can't be resolved by logic, let your intuition hold your hand and guide you. It'll never take you to the wrong destination. It's pretty good, isn't it? All right, here's the next one. Forgiving yourself is a way of self-care. Again, forgiving yourself is a way of self-care. Gotta let yesterday go. Here's the next one. Stay humble, work hard, be kind. Next one. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Next one. Don't push away your happiness of today for a perfect tomorrow. Celebrate with gratitude what you already have. It's a good one, isn't it? Let's do a few from the Bible real quick. All right, here's the first one. This is from Psalms chapter 20, verse 4. May God give you the desire of your heart 
and make all your plans succeed. The next one's from James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We're going to do two more. May the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do his will through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. That is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. And then the last one's from Psalms 139, verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Again, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Those are just a few good ones from the Bible that I wanted to share for this week. I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. I mean, that's a good goal, right? So thanks for joining us on this episode. I hope you're proud of our country. I know it's not perfect, but I still am, and I hope you are too. As you go through the week, remember that it's easy to be divisive. That's what most people are, especially on social media. Don't be that person. Be a wet blanket. If someone says something political, either let it go. Just say, hey man, you okay? You're pretty you're wired pretty tight on this. The, the reality is is that there's some people that ingest nothing but political poison three hours or more a day. They think the country's going to end tomorrow. They really get wrapped up in this stuff, and it leads to bad consequences for them and for others, unfortunately. So Remember that most Americans are good, and I have to finish with two things. First, I want to say a word about supporting the show, and then I want to say something for those who may be struggling with PTSD, because if you're that person out there, I really, really hope I can say a word that might encourage you, that might help keep you in the fight. Before I get to that, though, if you enjoy what we're doing, like to support the show, you can support it for $5 per month through Substack or even through Patreon. You can find details for how to do both in the episode notes on Substack. I appreciate those who are already supporting the show. I have much better plans, but probably like you, I work a day job, and so I can't do some of the things that I want to do to get the word out about this show and to maybe do it more days per week. We'll see. If you want to support the show, though, $5 per month. Come and go as you want, as you like. Now i got to talk about PTSD because this is something I'm passionate about. Veterans are at 57% chance of a higher risk of suicide than their peers of the same age group who haven't served. So, if you're having serious issues, call 988 on your phone, select 1. Again, it's 988, select 1, or you can text 838-255. 838-255, and that'll get you on in touch with a Veterans Crisis Line responder anytime, day or not, 24 hours a day. So I want to get that out. If you have serious issues going on, call one of those. Call that number right now. 
But I want to do a little more. I want to pose a question and ask you, why do you think this is happening? Why are these thoughts racking your brain? Now, obviously, partly it's trauma. I know that you've probably seen or gone through some things. I know part of it is you lost some of the structure that you were in. You lost some of the friendships. You still talk to those buddies or friends or gals, but not as often. But I'd like to put out the possibility that part of what you're going through right now is happening because you are great. You are an amazing person. And you're one of the chosen few who had the guts and the courage to sacrifice for others. You raised your hand. You were willing to literally end up in a body bag to serve others. And there are so few in this current generation, especially, who don't put, who put others first, who put, who even care about our country. And so I would put out the idea that part of what you're going through right now is that the devil himself is just twisting your mind and you've been fighting this and fighting it And honestly, I think the devil knows he's got to take you off the battlefield now while you're at your weakest. I know 20 plus years ago when I got out, I was, my head was all messed up and I probably didn't go through half of what you went through. So the devil knows that he can't have another warrior that's as strong as you and he sees what you could be in five years or 10 years. He's got to get in your head now and he's got to do it. He's got to make this happen now. Every day he knows You're a little bit further out of his grasp, and that's why he will not let you go. I know you've probably tried alcohol. You might have tried pills. I know it's a hard fight. I know asking for help is very hard, but you cannot give up. The Marine Corps always talks about death before dishonor, meaning we would rather die than fall short of maintaining the standards and traditions of the Marine Corps. I'm sure your service probably had something similar. Just want you to remember that you're tougher than what you're going through. You've been in like more trying situations, but the difference is, is that you're alone right now. You don't have those buddies around you. You don't have an NCO or an officer yelling at you or keeping you in line. So you're alone, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. You cannot lose this fight. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or something, but... You have to think about what happens if you if you make the wrong decision here. I don't want to be the person to say that, but I you cannot make your parents or your family plan your funeral. I mean that is absolutely horrible. It's disgraceful, honestly. Don't make them feel guilty that they didn't check on you, that they couldn't reach you. Don't do the same thing to your fellow military friends. Don't don't be that person. Don't leave your wife. Don't leave your kids. I promise if you can hang on another day or two, it's going to get easier. It constantly gets easier. Every day is a little bit easier. What do you do if you're in combat and you're in a fight that you might lose? You call for reinforcements, and that's what you need to do. Call for help, but don't you dare surrender. Don't you dare give up. Again, you can call 988. You can select one. But do not let the devil convince you that you will not be missed, that no one cares that no one understands what you're going through. If you have some kind of faith, please lean on it. If you don't, I say seek out God. He's helped me. You can find If you don't have a Bible, find all kinds of apps on your phone. You can find the Bibles. They're online. You can read. Reach out to God. It will help. Or reach out to a friend, but just do not give up. So, 
Sorry, guys. I always get a little emotional talking about this stuff, but there's a plan for your life and you cannot give up. There's something you're meant to do and you are just all twisted up in the present moment. And man, I'm telling you, it's so much beautiful, more beautiful if you can just hang in there. Got to navigate through the fog and the plane and the pain, and you got to see the end result. You got to see two years, five years from now. There's, if you're single, had trouble dating, can't can't relate to civilian women. I know what that's like, but there's someone out there for you, and they want a strong dude just like you. Or you can flip it if you're a woman. There's probably you're probably tired of dating pansies or whatever. There's someone out there that wants someone as awesome as you. Cannot give up. Don't isolate yourself. Be a warrior. Don't let the enemy win. Now, if you're like me and you're a little further down the line, you're stronger. I challenge you to reach out to somebody, some friend, some military vet you haven't talked to in a while. There's a good chance they're hurting. Even when they say they're doing well, we know that's not true. Finally, I always try to end with this little part from Ecclesiastes. And the verse goes, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Teamwork, right? Community. Those are the things that get us through things. And you probably don't have that right now. I know what it's like to lose those military friends, those contacts. You got to build them up. You cannot be isolated. That is, that is, that's when the head goes a little crazy. So, just as the verse says, we all serve as the hands of God. If you're doing well, reach out, check on someone. If you're struggling, I beg of you, call the crisis head, uh, uh, crisis night line, 988 select one, 988 select one, or pray. Like, follow your knees, ask God to help you. He will drive out the devil, I promise. So, all right. Always end each show reminding you, you can comment anytime. I try to call, I try to monitor those. You can reach out privately as well to me by email. The email address is authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. Authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. I'll have it in the episode notes. You can say hi, you can vent, you can send news tips. I love all three of those things. Sorry, I got a little bit more emotional this time than normal. I do every week though, Donna. I like my goal is someone's going to email me someday and say, Stan, I was like that close and you reached me. That's all I care about. I swear. All right. I love you guys. Never forget. God loves you more. I'll catch you next week. You've been listening to The View from the Front. My name is Stan and I'm out.